On this week's Bet the Process podcast, Rufus and I do a mailbag episode and we talk about some pretty interesting things like machine learning in sports betting, the effect of snow on totals, and pooping your pants. So with that, let's start the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Welcome to the podcast. Bet the process. It's not that typical cookie cutter nonsense. If you came just for picks, you're in the wrong place. Find a talent with the narrative to make a strong case. Instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking, we're looking for the edge of Massey Peabody rankings. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. Welcome to another episode of the Bet the Process podcast where Rufus. Just got a mic, which is exciting. So he will sound good. You just traversed across the city of New York to get a mic. That's how much you love our seven listeners. I just traversed two subway stops. That's it. On the sixth line to Union Square because they had in stock. I got the last one. Really? Yeah. The other one, like it just the 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 bit where the it gets plugged in just broke. So some fascinating mic conversation. Um, do you you watching the World Series at all? I I didn't. Okay. It was you know ha- I don't the... know if you know. Yesterday was Halloween, Jeff. I know. I have a four year old and a six year old, and dressed. And I took the kids out for Halloween. What were they dressed up as? And were you dressed up? Uh, yes. As a family, we were dressed up as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. What are the odds that you can guess which N- Ninja Turtle I was? Um, one in four. <laughs> okay so i'll give you Donatello. i'll give you uh oh my god you nailed it that was donnie you nailed it nice job rufus good job what were you dressed up as uh i wasn't dressed up last night but i went out friday night and was dressed up uh i went to a friend's medieval housewarming party and i i had bought these tight leather pants last year for halloween when i was Derek zoolander and i was like i need something medieval and it can go with that and so I get to the costume store and they're like out of like the men's medieval stuff. So I just asked this guy and he was like, here, here's what you should do. Get a leather harness and a cape and be like a Norseman. So I went to the, like the, the Gothic sex shop next door where I had bought the leather pants to begin with. And I bought this ridiculous leather harness that was, you know, I like, it was not a $20 purchase. I'll put it that way. It was over a hundred bucks, but it's got like spikes on it. It's like, it's basically, I think, Next year, I'll be ready for some like real BDSM shit. And uh, yeah, I'm not was, even sure what I to do with this conversation. <laughs> oh my God. Can we, all right, let's just uh, segue into college football. Um, did you have a decent week in college football betting pregame? Um, we, we did make some money. So curious about that process. I know that you, you know, have been thinking a lot like about college football and it seems like you're refining things. What are some of the ways you're refining things so far? I have not been doing much refining, Jeff, to be honest. It's more been the process of like selecting games to bet and things like that. Like I haven't been doing any sort of model. Right. But your process has been that you've been looking at ways to be more selective in what you play. Correct. Cause like in the past you've played more games and now it seems like you're playing fewer games. So, so and, what's interesting and, is, I mean, I think at the beginning, because because I hadn't done any sort of model overhaul um, in the last few years, and we've had, you know, the the whole transfer portal. And basically, I, I'm less confident in my model than I have been in previous years, just because of the way college football is changing. And so I've kind of 
like I'll flag games that are, you know, like for example, like Colorado, I'm using a no prior number on them. Like I'm leaning more on that, like Texas state, I'm going, looking at the no prior number a little bit since they had like the, what, like 34 incoming transfers, something like that. So I know that my prior isn't going to be as strong there and I'm going to be a little low on them. And so I, I, I kind of, it's kind of knowing where the model is going to be weak. And then the, 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 right. and then kind of, I've been playing just the bigger edges typically, but what's interesting is that when you, I mean, so I, I have these numbers that are regressing my numbers back to the market and I regress a different amount depending on how close we are to the game. But when you sort of do a, like, let's say it's, I regress 75% to the market on game day or something like that. Um, if there are games where like you're way off, like, and you're missing something, those may not be the strongest games, if that makes any sense. So for example, when you're, I think with any model, if you show a really big edge that's that's larger than most edges you see, you're kind of like, okay, something's up. What am I missing? And so the last, like I kind of took control. Well, my brother wasn't around last week and I kind of was, uh, I was the one that sort of piloted it. And I was like, let's play. I was like, I want to play some smaller edges because it feels like we've got more line movement on games that we kind of had passed on earlier because we thought that they were smaller edges. But in a way, if I use my, my point is if I use a blanket regression to the mean number, I'm probably going to be understating how much I should regress the really big edges to the mean and overstating how much I should regress the sort of smaller to moderate edges, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, this is this this interesting sort of like adverse selection situation that you kind of get into um, in, in a lot of like, if you like say I'm going to tail your plays, right? Um, and I play them after you've already bet them and maybe like two or three days after um, you know, you sent me your plays on Saturday and I took a look at them and, you know, there were some games that were no longer in range. There were some games that were in range and playing only the games that were in range. That's the sort of adverse selection thing. Cause sometimes if the market is reacting and moving your number, that's probably a good subset of, of games that if you got your original number has the greatest edge, right? Yeah, it's like let's say I expected these bets to have four percent edges each, and because I'm regressing a certain amount to the to the market, like the four percent edge was not the theoretical edge before regression markets after. But in some subset of those games, the edge is actually going to be ten percent, or we can sort of we would assume based on the market movement, and on, on some subset of those games, it's going to be negative two percent. Right. So it's it's a. Uh... Tailing Rufus is a tough job. You got to figure out like how you tail them in the right way. Tailing Jeff is a tough job too. It's the it's the same thing with your plays. I think it's the same with anybody's. Yeah, I think you, that's fair. Um, you you send me out your plays, and I'm like, and I and I'm looking to see if there's any that that we had a lean one way and we didn't bet, but you like it too, and so to see if you know if there's agreement there. But but if you've already bet and the market's moved on on some of them and it hasn't on others, again, as you said, that's dangerous. Yeah, it is. It's dangerous. Um, I actually went four and one on the Tony Kornheiser show finally. So I had like a, a winning week, which was, which was a positive. I think we all, we all enjoy that. That's uh, awesome. You wanna, I mean, you want to so, jump into the mailbag? Well, Go first ahead. I was going to say that give you an update on, on my circuit contest entries. Um, oh yeah. After, let's hear that. Do you remember how I went, I went zero and five 
uh, across the board. Yeah, you were trying to win the boob. You were trying to win the booby. Yeah, so I've been basically trying to lose, and I've been doing it, but not losing enough. Like I've, I'm now. So these entries were zero and five. All, all were zero and five in the after the first week of Q two. Now they're seven and thirteen, seven and thirteen, seven and thirteen, seven and thirteen, and six and fourteen. That's not going to get it done. So you basically been five. You basically been five hundred. Well, no. Well, roughly. I mean, no. That's two. Let's see. Zero and five. That's like, or sorry, zero and five. That's seven and eight and six and nine. So yeah, like a little under five hundred. But what what that's also done is, I mean, that's kind of the worst case scenario because I'd rather either, I mean, because now all my entries are basically sunk for the season at this point. I mean, literally, they're all under. They're all. Like, let's see, 18 and 21, 17 and 20, 16 and 23, 18 and 21, 19 and 20. So I'm kind of just in purgatory at this point. There's like, I, all I'm going to be able to do is play for the individual quarter prizes. And so, yeah, I mean, I guess I could go, I guess there's one more week left in Q2. Maybe if I, I don't even think six and 19 would do it though. I think I can look it up, but I'm sure someone's like, you know, four and 16 or three and 17. I got a, uh, hypothetical for you that's a real one so let's just say that um Wait, our so model it's not hypothetical sure let's say our model likes like the raiders on sunday night like sorry on monday night like post that monday night game they liked them this week against the giants minus two and a half and now all of this stuff comes out right where mcdaniel gets fired Aiden O'Connell is going to start. The line goes to one. How would you as a better approach that, assuming that you'd never bet it at two and a half and we're kind of like waiting. And now that it's one and you have a different quarterback, obviously you you probably don't like the quarterback because he's a rookie. And, yeah. and quantifying the coaching change, you know, like how would, would you just stay away from something like that? Because it's it's kind of unknowable or impossible to model. Or would you say, Hey, we liked it at two and a half and you know, it's down to one. And well, how I would think you that think shift from that? two and a half to, to one is more due to the quarterback situation than, than the coach. So, I, okay. but, but in a hypothetical world where the quarterback had not changed and the line moved from two and a half to one, I probably would take it because I think that, uh, I don't believe that the offense or things are going to shift that dramatically. It's hard to make major changes in season and, it's it's not like they're going to drop different plays or something like that. It's basically still the same playbook. So right. it's, it's, I mean, it's, you I, know, on the margin, you could I mean, remember when the Raiders fired John Gruden mid season, uh, a few, two, two seasons ago and rich BI, uh, I forget how to say his last name. The Sachia, the Sachia, there you go. Um, took over and they made the playoffs. I mean, that's obviously a sample size of one, but I do think a coaching change in season, like, if you're firing a coach, he may not have had the support of the locker room. I mean, you saw Devontae Adams. Like, I, I don't necessarily think it's it's necessarily a negative. And I'm sure there's people, yeah. I, I haven't analyzed this. I'm sure there's people that have analyzed it, and I'd be interested to hear what they, they show in terms of like week after a coach is fired. How do those teams do? Yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, and, and again, like it's a real life situation, so it's interesting to think about. Okay, you want to jump into the mailbag questions? Yeah, let's do it. Hum, uh, hum baby 11 which is paid at paydirt 11 what asks us thoughts on chase young to the niners so what's interesting so, there is that it's a th- it's for a third round draft pick and 
the commanders would have gotten a third round draft compensator compensatory. How do you pronounce that word? Compensation, compensatory? Doesn't sound right. Compensatory. 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 There you go. It's economics, but it's not economist. It's economist. So, okay. Mm -hmm. The the commanders would have gotten a third round compensatory pick. And the pick that you just nailed it, Rufus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The pick that they're going to get from the Niners is going to be at the very tail end of the third round, most likely. So, there's not much of a difference there. So the thought is, is it, are they just trying to tank to get a better draft pick at this point? Maybe. I don't know. Cause I mean, that's, that's the way it makes sense. And I don't know their other situation with other free agents leaving. Cause I know there's a maximum of four compensatory picks you can get from uh free agents leaving, but it doesn't seem is like Chase Young good. Uh, he's been pretty good this year. I think he's, I think he's uh, actually, um, I saw a tweet. I think by Brian Burke that he's like maybe a, either 11th or 17th in, in pass rush win rate this season. He's actually higher than Montez Sweat. The Montez Sweat trade, by the way. Is he a better um, wide receiver than than uh, Terry Kill or not? Oh, that's a good According question. To Brian Burke. We, well, we, we got to check his open score and his yak score. Um, but probably you were on an island on that one, by the way. Everyone was. I was not. Th- this was me. This was not me supporting that tweet at all. I thought so. I thought that for those of you who don't know, um, Brian, well, I guess I should say ESPN stats information analytics um, put out a a chart with the top wide receivers based on their using the uh, next gen stats stuff. Um, they had like Yak score, open score, and like Tyreek Hill ranked like 17th. And a, a lot of people um, were very critical of that. And Brian Burke kind of doubled down a little bit. Um, my whole point there. Well, I made a, I made a tweet that was a very general tweet that was motivated by that, but not specific to it saying that, that essentially having a fault in your model or being wrong, like that's how you, you learn from, you learn from the outliers that are wrong. And and, and that's where you like, I mean, models are not generally when you're building a model, it's built for, at least when I am, it's built for modeling most of the things correctly. Um, In sports betting, that's, you know, you don't, it's, it's not like Taleb, you know, leveraging against some, you know, betting on a big black swan. Like you're not going to get that kind of payout. Like I want, I want to be right the majority of the time. And so I will miss on outliers. And this, I think this model clearly did. And I wasn't, I didn't mean to be doubling. I wasn't doubling down. And I think absolutely it's wrong on Tyreek Hill. I mean, I, I think you, you don't have to be a genius to, to think that, but got it. Back to uh, the the Chase Young trade. I mean, I think the where, where the commanders really made out was the Montez Sweat to the Bears deal. Like, what are the Bears even doing? And that you're getting a second round pick that's going to be at the very top of the f- second round. So it's almost like a late first rounder. Yep. Yeah. Um, what is the American view of Irish and UK punters? Do you have one? I mean, I I find the way they speak interesting and the 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 whole like the whole tipster culture where they have people in magazines giving up picks and those people actually move lines and stuff like that. Um, but for I don't someone who has sorry. It, well, Jeff, we we know one real life UK tipster. Well, I've or not tipster UK punter that I've met. You haven't met we him. A, we know a few. We know a few, right? 
we know like AK, we know AK. like we know Luke Patton, Hayden. Yeah, yeah. We know. I mean, we know, well, we know I, one that I've met know. in person is AK. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I don't think we have a point of view on him one way or the other. Right? Well, AK is a great guy, by the way. I mean, we have a point of view that he's a great guy. Um, okay. For someone who has no experience in modeling or coding or anything, where do you start slash want? What do you use to get into it and start creating your own models slash simulations? And how do you assign okay. values to players? So I think that the the first thing to ask is like, where where do you think you're going to get your alpha from? And if you don't know how to code yet, it's probably not going to be from being the best coder. But it's probably going to be from thinking about things in an interesting and unique way and then figuring out how to sort of quantify those things and how to answer those questions that you ask. And so my thought would be like, kind of do it by, I mean, I learned by doing, I, I learned how to scrape major league baseball data by um, looking over some code that I think this guy, I think it was Joseph Adler um, had written in Perl to scrape baseball data. And I basically went line by line and tried to figure out what it was and and how I could use it for my purposes. And, also had like a PDF free PDF Perl book that I could cross reference. And so like, for me, the easiest way to learn something is by doing it. And so I would say like, jump in and, and build a little project for yourself. And if you, I mean, if, if, if you enjoy it, like, then that's great. I mean, I think that's, you, you should enjoy it and, and you gain experience from it and then you can kind of go from there. But I, I think, First, before you first see if it's something you actually like doing, that's kind of the point. Did I answer the question that at makes all? Makes sense. Yeah, no, I think that's a good. I think that was a good answer. From Patrick Fingstein, the Fingstein Show. Do you bet the Bears in any circumstance before two thousand twenty nine? Before two thousand twenty nine. It's a long time. That is a long time. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I think the only job. the only valuable thing to take away there, and I know that was probably a joke, is that like these ugly bad teams are typically good teams to bet on because <laughs> there's value. There's value. It's the the hold your nose bet because the market's all against them. Oh, the the, pre um, the previous years, the Browns and the Jets, huh? Yeah, I remember those days. If yeah. you had to rank handicapping slash betting based on probability of success. Which professional sports sit in the top three? It's an interesting question. So are these, I guess we could interpret this, are we interpreting this as sports or like markets within sports? If it's, or is it like the major markets, i.e. is NFL sides and totals? Yeah, I think major markets. I mean, I think you would say golf, right? I would as say the, the smaller markets. One. I mean, I, I would. Yeah. I mean, right now I wouldn't, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say golf as much. Right. Why? Well, I think it's significantly more efficient now. What would you say? Well, let's not and, even say the okay, top. But, but like, let's say, but if a few certain players were not in the golf market, it might not be as efficient. So. Meaning you. Yeah. Among others. Um, but, but I would, okay. Let's say like, Turkish badminton or something is probably the going to be the. That's not easy. a major sport though. I think. So where where, where are we? Where is that cutoff line on what's a major sport? Is my question. I mean, I think we would probably say. Should we say the point, big five professional sports? Right. 
No, I mean, is that a oh, major market? Professional? I mean, college basketball. It sure. does say professional sports. It does say professional sports. Okay, so, so profe- that makes more sense. So, which professional sport would you would you say? Like, I think we all believe the NFL is like an incredibly efficient market at this point, right? I'd probably then, say number one in that case, NHL. Hmm. Number two, in terms of, I don't know about it, NBA. I've never, I've never bet NBA, but if, but baseball right now is there. There's just so much. There's so much out there in terms of data that it's really hard to. It's really. I think it's going to be very hard to beat in that way. I do think NBA, like a lot of the edges people have, are on information, and so it depends on what type of better you are. But to go back to this Haralabob when he used to talk about not betting on football and he would talk about how the ball's not even round and it doesn't even bounce correctly. And just like how, and I was just thinking about how random, like last night we had a second half under oh, and we the did. total was 20. Oh, 21. we had second. Did you have which, the, which game? The Toledo game. Oh the no, Toledo, we didn't have that. Uh, so we, we had, had we made under 21 minus one Oh nine is the price. Yeah, we had the under in that game. And that game had two blocked punts and a turnover inside the own team's like nine yard line and somehow still managed to go under. So that's by eight points. That's we had we had Buffalo plus six there. That was nice. Nice. And and we and we had over in the Northern Illinois Central Michigan game, which flew over with Yeah, we had we had minutes to go in the right. I mean, I'll tell you, I watched Jeff. I watched like most of the first quarter of football there because of the weather, and I was kind of curious to to test my theory because you don't have a lot of snow games, and it wasn't snowing hard. I don't think it was snowing at all, but there was snow on the ground. And in the day, this is in the Toledo game, or no, 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 there was snow on the ground in both games. Yeah, but in in the Northern Illinois Central Michigan game, there was there's definitely more snow on the ground. I believe it was a turf field as well. But in both those games, you saw a lot of big plays. And my theory, I mean, you don't have enough data on, on snow games, and you have more in the NFL than college football typically. Um, but those those are not under games. They haven't been historically. Like snow doesn't hurt scoring. But I think there's a point where it clearly does. If we, I forget what that game was with the Bills a few years ago, where there was so much they were playing in a blizzard, and it's like nobody could move. Like that's going to hurt scoring, where you can't see the lines. But but where there was a little bit of snow on the ground like that, it seemed like to me, I mean, my my thought is that's going to be, I thought that might increase scoring. And I was kind of watching with an eye towards that. And it was interesting to, and it kind of confirmed my theory. My theory was that um, that big plays are, are more prevalent because defenders have harder, it's harder to change direction quickly. And I think that matters more for a defender than uh, than an offensive player. An, an offensive player can they know which direction they're changing, right? But but that sort of slipperiness there, I think, does benefit the offense, and I think blocking wise as well. The footing, if 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 you're especially run blocking, which you know running the ball more doesn't equal more points typically, but you saw so many big plays in both those games, and I really do think, uh, you know, I it was nice that it sort of confirmed my prior. One sample size, sample size of one or, well, or but two. My prior, two. my prior comes from a sample, yeah. but it's not a large enough sample to really make any definitive conclusions. So Got anyway, it. the answer to that question, I, I would say NHL, forgetting a major sport somewhere. It's what NFL, NBA, NHL, 
MLB. Is it just four? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, soccer. I mean, I think we've we've we talked about this ad nauseum. This this guy also asked, "Are you compensated for Mister Tony?" And the answer to that question is no. I wake up at five fifteen a.m. on Fridays because I love Mister Tony, not because of any uh, monetary value. I think you in the past you've said that you're modeling, and this is from Anthony Busaka, which maybe he's mm -hmm. related to pit boss Rich Pisaccia. Um, I think in the past you've said that your modeling is not at the player level other than QBs. So how do you update your model based on some sort of larger trades made at the NFL trading deadline? And I think we know the answer to that. You is know. I don't because <laughs> I'm, I'm not I'm not betting much. I'm not betting much NFL. So yeah, I mean that's there's there's interesting ways to try to approximate these things by what the market does. I think when when these things happen, but. I think at a, if you don't have a player level model these days, you're probably just going to struggle. But Jeff, you make a good point here though. in that if you look and see how much a line moves and if, I mean, obviously you have to be able to be able to know that it wasn't due to something else, but, but that can give you an idea of maybe how much, if you had a team-based rating, like how much you should move it. I think you made a really good point of, of ways to approximate something without knowing it. Yeah, I mean, there's different ways to use the market, right? Like you can certainly use the market to help estimate that. Um, question for Pod. I'm a losing player. This is from Spike McGruder. I'm a losing player. I have friends I know that are losing long-term. Biggest issue for serious players seems to be not getting enough money down or accounts being shut down. Why don't these serious players use the established losing players as runners to help them get down or stay active? Or is it happening and it's not discussed? Lack of trust, amount of people, more people, blah, blah. I think I think it's happening. It's, it's happening. Right? It's not discussed. Yeah, there we go. The first rule of Fight Club is don't talk about Fight Club. Rick M says, yeah. with the rise of exchanges and more sportsbooks opening, do you think institutional money, hedge funds, financial institutions, et cetera, will enter the sports betting space anytime soon? If yes, when? And how will it change the game for current pros and recs? I, I, oh, do you want no, me to man. take it first? We've been talking or... about this forever. Yeah, go for it. Well, I mean, I think right now it doesn't make sense on the betting side. I think that's clear. But I think it could make sense on the market-making side. That's the only way to really scale. So I don't see it happening on the betting side, though, just because the markets aren't really big enough for for a major player to to make it worth it. There's too many diseconomies to scale. Yeah, I mean, I've I've probably heard, I don't know, 15 pitches around hedge fund for sports betting kind of stuff. And I want to, you know, and and in all of them, I'm like, why are you guys wasting your time? There's a thing to be doing with a lot of a lot of money. Are these people wanting like, well, to start a hedge fund for sports betting? Yeah, they're typically like smart people that come out of the financial world yeah. that see legalization as an opportunity to you know, to get more money down. And, and I, I'm always like curious about it. If these people just like kind of want to do something fun or, or what, but you know, I've, I've talked to some pretty serious financial people that feel like they want to go after this. And, and I'm often pretty skeptical. Yeah, but um, why start a hedge fund? Why not just bet yourself? Well, but <laughs> their, their premise is that they're, they're going to bet themselves, but their premise is that they're putting together a large operation of quants and things like that to do this. And it's like, uh, you know, it's, I mean, it's, you make your good. 
no, you make your operating costs so large. That's, and why do you think our organization, why do you think I've, has been so, my organization has been so small over the years? Because nobody wants to work with you. Exactly. Like, yeah. I smell bad. Um, we love Kanzi, so we'll ask his question. You think black box ML models are bad for modeling sports outcomes. What it, would it take for you to change your opinion on this? Yeah. ML is machine learning, but like I've, I've been vocally anti-machine learning, but it's, I'm anti, like you can just use machine learning with like unsupervised machine learning to win. Or someone said in response, um, and still undefeated said, um, eh, guessing coming across one that wins money, but that actually wouldn't necessarily change my view. I mean, I think that I'm, I'm sure there are areas where it could win money, but I don't think it's the optimal way of doing things at this point. Actually, gambling Frank Costanza says advancing machine learning technology by 50 years would do the trick in my opinion. And I agree with that. But right now I just think that I've said this a lot, like there are places where machine learning can be very, very useful in, in let's, let's, uh, let's just talk about this for a minute. The, the biggest reason, and this is on a broader context and this is, has nothing to do with sports betting, well, I mean, it, it, sorry, it's not specific to sports betting is the problem with black box models is they're not explainable, right? And ultimately explainability in a model is really important um, well, at some levels. I mean, it is if you're like on ESPN giving out picks, but it's not if you're, no, if it, you just care about winning. But the thing is, sports aren't static. And as things change and evolve, that, well, that's, you, that's, that's basically that's what you're I'm going. saying. And, and so like, it, so yes, I think it would be great as long as it's winning. But if it's losing and it's not explainable, I think having an understanding of why it's losing is a problem. And ultimately, I, I don't I don't think it's fair to say the only reason you would care about a model being explainable is to be on ESPN. I think there's many instances in business where you care about models being explainable. Like Yeah, you, you, I, I was talking do, about sports you, betting and making a joke about our yeah, making fun of yeah. us. I, well... We were barely but, on ESPN. Jeff, I would say that I would say that machine learning is going to be more useful where there's more data. Sure. But it's not going to do great with small data. And sports in general is kind of a small data problem, even sports where, I mean, where you have a lot of data. But I think it's useful in the areas you have a lot of data, such as like the, the next gen stat stuff, right? Well, what's interesting too is when we when we talk at if you go back to this whole Ed Miller conversation last week, one of the things we talked about is attacking these edge cases and the edge cases are the ones where you're going to have the least amount of data. So theoretically machine learning there isn't necessarily Correct. going to help you. It's, it's just a more of a nuanced way of modeling those situations, which is the opposite of machine learning. In some I mean, respects. machine learning is in essence, just like throwing it's, it's going in without a, or unsupervised machine learning, I should say, is going in without any sort of theory on how something works and letting the data complete, explain it completely. And then essentially testing and, and taking subsets of it, um, building testing on the other subsets to essentially try to make sure it doesn't overfit. But in my opinion, it still will overfit. Um, because I think you can, yeah. I, I think in essence, it's weak because there are areas, it doesn't have a prior. It doesn't know that, that, having more points or be winning by more points is always better than winning by fewer points. Right. Some things like that. So, I mean, so it can come up, it can give you, um, 
results that don't make logical sense if you understand the sport. And so I think it's useful if you can, in essence, constrain it with rules and then let it optimize within those rules and use your domain knowledge to create those rules. Right. Okay. I like this question. If you can only play one golf course, go to one restaurant and watch slash bet one sport for the rest of your lives, what would they be? I won't grade you down if they're not geographically close, but kudos if the course and restaurant are geographically close. I'm going to let you go first. Play one course for the rest of your life. I mean, I think it'd be fun to, and this is, you know, because Delilah's is this awesome restaurant at the Wynn and the Wynn has an awesome golf course. And so, you know, if I'm just stuck doing that, you know, I have, I play the Wynn golf course. I go have dinner at Delilah's and call it a day. That sounds good. I was going to say on the restaurant or on the course side, like, and it's a court that is my favorite course I played is Cabot Cliffs. But the re- the other the thing is because of the the nature of it as a links course and on the water um, and with different weather conditions, it can play is completely different course. So it's it's in essence like multiple. I get the benefit of like having it be like multiple courses because of how different it'll play based on the weather conditions. But that's not anywhere near a restaurant I would want to eat at, which is a problem. For you, for sure. Um, I, I, but you yeah, Jeff, you're the you restaurant have, expert. You have so. one that you bookmarked question? Yeah. Um, advice when a, when a profitable bottoms-up model has negative results over a large sample size against one particular book. Bets against all other books have been profitable using same model. And that's something that I actually can relate to. There's one major okay. book where like the, the bets that I've placed in my own post-up account have lost. I think I opened the account a year and a half, two years ago, maybe a little longer, but it's not like I'm betting regularly on it, but like, you know, there, there's, it's got over a few million in volume and it's, it's down. And like, I didn't bet for a while. And I got a call from um someone from like the VIP department being like wanting me to re up. And he literally said on the phone, he was like, he's like, we have sharp betters and like, uh, we have people to win and I- I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to kid you. You're not one of those. Um, and I was able to negotiate like a 10% deposit bonus. It was great. And I'm down and do on you have it a theory on the, this or? No, I think it's randomness. Cause it's not like I'm betting. Um, yeah, it, it's, this is one of the sharper books, um, or market making books. I'm sure people can guess which one based off of that, but I, I like, it's just randomness because sometimes I place a bet in at this book. Sometimes I place it in another. I mean, I know people that I know people that say, okay, I, they can't win at Circa or things like that. Um, I've actually traditionally like I've, I've done what decently well against Circa overall. Um, I think, I don't think it's anything about this book being sharper. I think it's just the bets that I've put in there haven't done as well. And the bets I've done put in other places have, and it just shows how, how variance works. What do you think? Parents is a bitch. I don't know, man. We, you know, I, I think, I think we, we joked about this whole Chris thing with me. Like there was like a time where that's all I was doing and I was winning. Mm-hmm. And so um, now I'm not in, you know, it's, it's who knows, but I think it, obviously if you're betting into a sharper book, your, your, your chances of winning are not going to be as high. Wait, you is one a cons- couple more? Yeah. Is one considered naked if they are only wearing socks? No. I agree. That's a no. 
if you're na- you're naked means you're, you have no clothes on um you got another one one more yeah this is because this is actually relevant how about, how about this one more the, one more non sequitur what what do you think okay. is the worst situation in which to literally poop your pants i don't know but i'm gonna tell a great story well that's a very quick story but i once was uh the guy that i was living with in las vegas when i moved out there in 2008 craigslist roommate um once came back from a he was on a bender one weekend he came back and he said i had the worst weekend of my life i lost all my money i ran out of gas and i shot myself so that's a pretty bad time to do it if you're losing all your money and running out of gas but i mean when is the when is the like let's just really put it into perspective when is when are the times that you have done this in your life where i've shot myself yeah i don't think i have I mean, I'm sure you I never did as a little kid. I don't believe I have as an adult. This person I was living with said that he like he literally said that, oh yeah, all adults do do it once at least once like once a year. You th- you think it's gonna be a fart and it ends up, you know. That's called a shard. I know. It's a shard. Um, um, what are what are the what are the, what are the times it's not dogging? bad to shit yourself? Probably in your house with nobody around. That's so the times when it's really bad to are probably when there's a a lot of people around in a social setting. I don't know anything more specific than that. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like in an, a time where it's like hard to get to a bathroom and it's just you're while just, having sex. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Rufus. I don't know. Uh, uh, all right. I, I don't do that. Um, sex. I just fall asleep sometimes. You got another one. Let's do um, one more each. Ed Miller mentioned that many books are pricing same game parlays based on simulations, and there may be an opportunity to entail outcomes of those simulations. Iowa slash Northwestern has a historically low total of 29 and a half. Do you think books have problems modeling such an outlier? Yes. I agree. That would be my answer. I think yes as well. Do I have a problem so what, modeling what? that? Probably also yes. So you, you just need to, I mean, what, I, I, I mean, but it depends. Yeah. Well, if you think no, that that's I, I some, think, you think that's a game that you should just that you should just blanket no, bet over. Actually, no, the thing is, I don't think I'll I don't think I'll have as big problems as someone using more of a sort of intelligent query type method, selecting a subset of games like that type of method of quote modeling um, is going to really really struggle with the outliers. Whereas something where you're where you see an effect and you have like. I mean, and maybe it breaks down a little bit at the extremes, but overall, if this effect kind of persists across all games, um, across all totals, then you can kind of, you can kind of run with that. And, you know, I think I would have a problem if there was a total of like 16 and a half on a game, but 29 and a half is close enough that I'm not going to struggle with that. I don't think. All right. I think we got what's, what's your last one you were going to pick. Um, do you think, Data golf's model is accurate for sports betting. Um, I think they do some good things for sure. I think that they're a lot of that is priced into the market though. So when we talked before about how you're getting um you if you're betting it, you're generally betting the stuff that hasn't moved. Right. And so mm-hmm. to be perfectly frank, I find value in disagreeing with it. And I know that there's opportunities for me because I know it does have an impact on the market and and being able to know some of its, like some of the areas where I know it'll, where I know it won't account for something that I am like there are opportunities there. So I think just with, I think the, the point is like, 
sure, if you're betting into a market that hasn't like an opener, I think the data call probably has some value there. I haven't actually, I haven't tested it, but like given the fact that that it does move markets to some extent, I would assume that's the case. But I know that, but if you're betting into a more mature market at that point, like uh, and showing value there, it means that there was resistance. Like maybe I disagreed with it, for example. And right. so, and I actually, I will say, I, I I have done an analysis of my numbers versus some of theirs, having like pulled it and just to to get a sense of like, I'll put it so I'm still confident in mine. All right, pick of the week. I forgot when you do pick of the week. Oh yeah, we got to do a pick of the week. Don't we? What did, do you remember? What our picks were last week? I know I picked something in college, but I don't remember what it was. We don't write these down. Uh, we don't write them down. It's fine. We just give them out. We don't write them down. No. Um, I am going to go to the NFL and I am going to give out the the nuts. There's a lot this week. There's a lot. Okay, I'll go. Gonna... I'll go first since okay. you're clearly not prepared. Although I'm not either. Um, I'm going to go with this is this is one where I know why I'm my numbers show an edge, but I'm going to go with the Bills against Cincinnati. And that line is now plus two. There was a point where, what was it? Where it was even better. You can get a two and a half. half. Right. Get two and a half. I mean, I just power rankings wise, like I have the Bills much better. But again, we talked about this early in the season or earlier in the year that Joe Burrow was playing hobbled and that it's going to artificially depress my Cincinnati numbers if and when he gets healthy. So to me though, I mean, I, that it's just so much disagreement. I mean, I would, I'd make the number Buffalo minus 3.7 just on, on power ratings. And then the fact that Buffalo is coming off of, um, off of a Thursday night game. So they're getting the extra rest. So yeah. I'm going to take the chiefs minus the two against the dolphins. Yeah. Interesting. So my, my power ranking um, numbers would, would, uh, would disagree, disagree slightly. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you, you realize that's a neutral field game, right? Oh yeah, that's right. Oh, okay. And I don't want, boom, that. I, don't want that I don't want that one. I don't want that one. Then okay. I forgot about that. It's like in Germany or something. Uh, yeah. Deutsch, it is Deutschland. By the, can I wait? Can I ask a non second? I'll take the I'll take the Ravens. I'll take the Ravens minus the minus the five and a half. I, I like that Seahawks. one. I think that's gonna I think that's gonna move to six anyways. I agree. Can I ask a non sequitur? Yes. So Germany in German is called Deutschland. Who came up with the translation of a word that you know, isn't actually a word? It's a country name and said, "Oh, this is gonna be Germany." And why was it Germany? Given the fact that land is the same in both English and German. Like how is Deutschland Germany? I'm, I'm not sure, Roof. Any, yeah. Anyone, any listener, answer that. Any literary? Uh, we gotta go. Scholars, let me know. We gotta go. We gotta go. We'll talk to you guys all again next week. Thanks for listening in. Um, hopefully, we'll have a guest again next week. But um, talk to you guys all next week. All the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. The bottom line is watered down. It seems like they don't get it. Pop
puppet He's a butt to end Just running off a leaded None of it's organic It all sounds synthetic That's why I fucks with Jeff Ma And his dog Rufus No locks of the year They just tell you what their truth is Maybe make your pockets fatter As the bookies get thinner Give the information turn And lose the betters into winners Yeah Sturm Hahn Reppin' Rutgers Jeff Ma Rufus Peabody Crunching all the numbers Massy Peabody rankings We're looking for the edge Analytically driven Crunching all the numbers 